What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success in and Out podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares to set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys I was in Leavenworth with and others who served time at other prisons. We're going to be talking about life before prison, life in prison, and life out of prison. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that'll help you knock down some of the prisons you've built up in your own mind. All right, folks, today, my guest, I was actually with at Leavenworth. We actually went through a program together where we had to live in a, uh, uh, it was the D block. And actually, the D block was actually cleaner because of the program. So it wasn't all bad. <laughs> but uh, I want to introduce Randy Terrell from St. Louis right here in my in my neck of the woods. Randy, welcome in, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good to see you again, Brett. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it. So, Randy, I, we were just talking before we got on here. Um, let's see, what year did you get out of? I got out in 15, 15, 15. right so in like, got, what, four, 16. Yeah. So you got out a little bit before I did. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think I got out at the end of November 16. Yeah. So okay. about a year. Yeah. Yeah. So Randy, I remember, um, you, you were, you were a guy that was always like, uh, I remember athletically, you, you're you an athlete, right? I mean, did you grow <laughs> yeah. up always in sports? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Went played football all my life and went to college, played football, and made it to the combine and uh, for the NFL, but didn't get picked up. And then that's when life started as I <laughs> knew it. <laughs> well, let's, let's walk back a little bit because – uh, tell me, tell me what life was like, uh, little Randy growing up. Uh, well, I'm a, one of six children, uh, grew up in, in born in my mom is from uh, Arkansas. My dad is from uh, Mississippi and then they, uh, moved here to St. Louis and raised us here and good childhood. Um, went, uh, right in Hazelwood, yeah. Hazelwood, Missouri, grew up in Hazelwood, Missouri. And then uh, attended Hazelwood East High School and uh, just child, just play sports. And, you know, parents, both parents had jobs, worked, and uh, great childhood. I can't play. I was the youngest, so I didn't, I didn't go through the struggles that, the, that my older siblings. Yeah, they practiced on them. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so when, because yes. I remember Hazelwood East, Central, all of them had, had good, good football teams. Yes. So uh, when you got into sports, did you know, Man, this is my this is my deal. Yeah, I just I just I was very competitive, and then having five o- older siblings always, you know, pushing and got to yeah. even the youngest you got to be. So I was always competitive. So I just fell in love with uh, football and basketball right away, and that's all I, I just wanted to do all all the time. What what positions did you play in football? I was uh, on offense. I was running back, and on defense, I played outside linebacker. All right, quick. You, yes, speed. Yes, yeah. you don't just yes, accidentally sir. play running back or outside linebacker <laughs> unless you can catch somebody or get away from somebody. Yes, sir. So you get you get into uh, high school, things start going good, and then you head to college. How did that whole process work for you? Um, awesome process. You know, um, Brad, it was, you know, graduated and then um, got, got a scholarship, went to Monmouth College in uh, Illinois. 
uh, star running back there for four years and, you know, just always has a, you know, football was where I was going to do. And if, and I didn't, 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 when nothing else you could tell me that that wasn't, you know, the NFL was next. And then that's how I was going to, yeah, in my focused. mind, provide for, provide for my family. That's, that's what it was. And when that didn't happen, uh, that's when, when life of not doing the, making bad decisions kind of started. Like, obviously, you know, I always tell my, uh, fiance this that, um, I really should have a, um, something set up for athletes who don't make it yeah. or they had to go through because it's, it's a serious set of depression yeah. that I actually experienced and went through and, and made a lot of bad decisions because of it. Well, and I think, Randy, I mean, that, uh, so, such an honest statement, too, because when you are locked in like that, first of all, athletes, when when you're playing in, in the college world, you they own you. I mean, that's your job. I mean, you, you are them. And, and you don't think about much of anything else. I mean, th- th- it's almost oh. like you're programmed regardless that you're going to be whatever you can be with that university and they're going to take all they can take while they have yeah. you. But you're Correct. so right. When it doesn't happen, you're just kind of dumped off to the side of the road and you got to figure out plan B. And if there wasn't a plan B because they were so strong and directing at plan A, it's a hard, it's yeah. a hard shift. Correct. Correct. It, it, it is definitely uh, unbelievable, man. I mean, there's nothing there, and then there comes the bad decisions to try to for me to try to provide the the lifestyle that the A I thought I was deserving of, and mm-hmm. that I thought to 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 provide, and you know that with that came you know gambling, uh, and then, but then you know you have buddies that did make it, mm-hmm. you know, I have friends. Um, I'm sure, you know, my, one of my, my best friends is Tron candidate. They used to play for the Rams yeah. running back. Yeah. He was quick. So, you know, going, hang out with him and doing things. Of course, you know, I, I didn't need anything because of course he'll take care of it. But then, but to, to try to be perceived in the same way or try to keep up with that same lifestyle, you had to do things to get that money that yeah. you wouldn't do to, to try to be on the same level that they're on. And, Led to bad bad choice. So that was the fork in the road for you. Is it you know the, the you you got out of the sports world and had to take a fork and figure out a plan? Did you feel like because at that time you're the baby of the family? Um, cool. What's what is everybody else doing in your family at that time? You know they're they're uh, working and. Um, and you know, a, a couple of my brothers, and one of my brothers got it, got in, and he was in trouble. But you know, they they all, you know, a couple of them, you know, looked at me as like, and you know, I was the one who went to college and done everything. But then, you know, so I kind of felt like I, I let them down too. You know, it was kind of like a lot of pressure of, you know, you didn't, you didn't, you know, you were the one that was did it that was supposed to, but it didn't happen. So, so now what, you know, it was kind of like, I felt like I, I was just, just a lot of, a lot of depression on that and, and, and making bad and an embarrassment, you know, honestly embarrassed because of it, it didn't work out. And, 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 and then you don't know what to do with that. I mean, of course the logical thing was to get a job and, and move on, but it just wasn't that easy. So it was just like many years of not working, honestly, not working and, scheming and, and, and making decisions, getting involved in, in, in things that you, you shouldn't have as far as the gambling and stuff and just not 
making right choices and ending up in, in, in bad situations. Was it, was it easy for you to fall into or find people that because you were, your mind wasn't quite right. How did you fall into the people that you were around? Well, you know, also being, uh, you know, you have, I had family members that might have, that was into not doing the right things. So I grew up with them. And, you know, of course, when, when I didn't make it, it's easy, it's easier for you to, for people to project you into the, to the wrong things because, okay, yeah, you, you, you wasn't this top person. So now you're, you just come do whether it's sell drugs or whatever, just with the rest of us. Now you're, you're, you're just as, as normal as we are, which never, I never looked at myself as I wasn't right. as normal or as they was. But, you know, a lot of people would, would love to see you because everybody else was had you on such a pedestal. Yeah that they would love to not to see you on the same level doing the negative things that they're doing. Yep. And it's just easy to fall into that, to that level. So lead us into what happened, Randy, how did you get into well, your own nightmare? So I got into, um, my nightmare was of course those years of, of not making the right decision. I got into selling drugs a little bit, got to doing that. And then after uh, doing that, you know, you, of course you meet these people that are into all type of schemes or things because, you know, drugs come with any hustle, any, yeah. any hustle comes into the, into the drugs hustle. So uh, I had a, a, a gentleman that, um, that was, uh, had cars, he was getting cars and uh, re retagging them. Um, so he would go to a parking lot, say um, a, a dealership or something, get the car. Cause at this time, was the time when they would leave those key things on the car. So he would go get the car and get it and sell it to you for nothing. I mean, I, I can probably have a 2000 uh, at that time, let's say 2012, 2013 Escalade. I, I might buy it for a thousand dollars. Wow. But <laughs> wow. <laughs> I go and have somebody um, retag it with a VIN number that they, uh, that might say one that got uh, wrecked, at mm -hmm. a, and that's in a junkyard, mm -hmm. but you go and they go get that VIN number, put it on that car, get the title made up to it from the old VIN number from the VIN thing and then sell it to somebody. But now it's $60,000. Wow. That's a good margin. Yeah. 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 So at, at first I was trying to uh, be in it as far as just the, uh, okay, I got a guy who I got the guy who was getting the cars and then the guy who was uh, doing the, the VIN number. So I just wanted to play the, at that point I was just playing the middleman and just, Hey, this guy, you give me so much for hooking, getting the car to the guy with the VIN number. And so I played that role the whole, basically the whole time. But of course I had knowledge of it, but, um, the fact of having knowledge of it, uh, when the guy who was doing it, who was making the big money selling it for the 60 or 70 got in and getting, got in trouble. Then he wanted every, and for him to get his right. charges down, everybody down the line had to, He's told on basically. That's right. what he did. Yeah. So that's where the, the nightmare begins for me, because at this time I'm um I, I had what I had my oldest child, but I um I had two I had two little ones that mm -hmm. was five and four, and um then I'm and then my girlfriend was pregnant with my youngest at seven now. Yeah, and I finally at this point I had was I had I actually had left that whole situation alone, left the drugs alone, and got my first job. 
<laughs> in June 2012. That's crazy. So you were actually walk, walking out and doing something the other way. Wow. My dad had finally got through to me, Brett, and was like, hey, you know, he, he drove dump trucks for all his life. And um, that's what he did. And he had finally, he had got his own dump truck. And my mom had, they took a lean out on the house, got his own dump truck and was doing awesome. Like, great. And he finally get talked me into, hey, get into this. So he got me a job, my first job. I'm making $40 an hour. I'm like, okay. So I'm kind of leaving this world alone and saying, okay, this is what you should be doing and should have been doing. You got kids, you got a family now. This this right. is the avenue that you need to be down. So I'm I'm down this avenue. I'm I'm fully engaged at this point. And of course, <laughs> the knock at the door comes and I get indicted and uh we were going through that whole thing and they weren't trying to hear anything. Conspiracy, you knew you, you know what's going on, and unless you tell on this and this person, where you're 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 taking the fall, and that's that's ended up. I I, I, I wasn't willing to tell, I wasn't willing to cooperate. Um, so they uh they we went through the whole court system, and I, I took a plea deal of um I forgot what how many months, what the whole breakdown of it was, um, but. I took that deal, and the deal was that if I, uh, of course, you don't do the RDAP program, my attorney, I had Scott Rosenblum mm -hmm. in, uh, right there in Clayton, and um, they were trying to get me into some mental thing in, in uh, Kentucky to get the time even less. <laughs> but, and I've heard a bad thing about Lexington to Kentucky. That That is a yeah. uh, – uh, Bill um, was on here uh, – Glazer was on here, I think, a few podcasts ago. And it's not a good place. And I, I've heard, you know, people say, hey, you know, if you could go to Lexington and get your time, it's not a good place down there. It's not a good place. I'm glad it didn't work out. And that's saying I, a lot for two guys who went to Leavenworth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm so glad it didn't work out. So, yeah, the judge was like, am I missing something here? Why we want to send him? Yeah. He's like, okay, no, you can't go to there. So went to, the, to Leavenworth and uh, that's, that's how how it, the, the nightmare began, and it was uh, it was just I just well I let, let, let's know. back up a little bit, Randy, because when they knocked on the door, mm -hmm. was that a complete surprise? Because you were already stepping out with your dad doing this other deal. I mean, yeah. it, it caught you it by surprise. You didn't know that anything was going down. No, it was it was a complete shock, and um, the crazy thing was, I was. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what, what are you guys talking about? I don't have nothing to do with no car stuff ring. And they was like, oh, well, we got your name on this. We got this person saying that you, you, you did this and that you provided the cars and that you was getting the, um, the titles, knew how to get the titles. And I'm like, really? So, um, how long did that whole process it, take for you, Randy, when they knocked on the door to win your year? A year and a, a year and a half it okay. was a year and a half and um it was it was it was definitely a nightmare because I was just like it, it's no way like all I do is go to work <laughs> go to work now and I'm, I'm I'm trying to be learn at this point to be a father and, yeah. and do the right thing about I wasn't there as much, you know, for my oldest because I was young and I wasn't making the right decisions when I had my oldest, who was 22. Mm -hmm. But um, these 
two at the time, and with the third one on the way, the fourth one on the way, I was just, you know, getting into the the point of as, as what most people consider normal life yeah. of working, taking care of the kids, yeah. and, and and doing things the right way, and it just was all shattered. It, it, it was shattered, and you know, all I could think about was I'm going to leave this woman with two infants and one in her stomach yeah. <laughs> at the time That's of me leaving. A lot to think about. Yeah. Yeah. How is she going to provide? How 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 are we going to? How is it going to make it? Like, I just, it was just like, it, it's not going to happen. It's not. So I was trying to do everything, but only thing I can, we can assure me. Was, was, she, uh, was she with you through this process? The Yes. Yes. She was, she was with me through the process. And, um, I, I'll actually never forget. Like when we, when they knocked on the door, my, my son was so young. Um, he, he was still in her, in her arms and stuff. And, uh, it was, it was just like, it was, it was definitely, uh, like, like the, the world crashing down of yeah. she just looking at her, like, she's just like, huh? Like, you know what? With, with this, I got this infant in my arm right here. And I got the, another one that's three, I think at the time of it originally happening. And, and I got one in my stomach and really like he's finna leave or he gotta leave. It was just like, Oh my gosh. So yeah. It was it was crazy. How'd you get to Leavenworth? So they allowed me to surrender, self surrender. Mm-hmm. So ended up uh, my mom, her, her, and uh, my two kids. We all um, got jumped in uh, my mom's SUV, drove me down to Leavenworth. Of course, so hit uh, seventy heading west. I remember, I can remember it like it's yesterday. Uh, stopped in Columbia. This time, my two kids don't, you know, know what's going on. <laughs> right. They don't know where they're going. No, it's yeah. crazy because it, it, I still get emotional just thinking about it. It's, yeah. it's crazy. It's really crazy. And we're driving, so I'm holding them. I'm playing with them. We get so we get down there. We get to Leavenworth, and, you know, I'm going to the camp, but I see this big old building. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. It's like, this is where you've been to be. <laughs> I'm like, man. And for and those then, people uh, who haven't seen Leavenworth, it's it looks an an awful lot like Shawshank Redemption. Yes. It really does. Yes. I mean, they built it in eighteen seventy nine, I think. Eighteen seventy nine, eighteen seventy five. And it's just that old looking. I mean, yes. it's really intimidating. It is absolutely crazy. It is, it is amazing. It's very intimidating. <laughs> very. So you had so to go yeah, out and stand at that gate? No, yeah. I'm, well, I'm in the parking lot, and yeah. I'm like, um, <laughs> so I'm saying my goodbyes to my mom. Actually, and my niece was in the car, and I'm saying my goodbyes to them. And so I say my goodbyes to my daughter, and they're like, where are you going? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, our daddy had to go in here for a while. So then my son, he's got to be two. I think he's two at the time, one, one or one or two. And he can see like, uh, the tears coming down my eyes. Yeah. And, uh, he wipes them. He said, dad, what's, what are you crying for? And I'm like, I, I just, I gotta go. And then, uh, and so that, that heart broke me. I, I got never, ever will, will want to ever like do that to them ever again, mm-hmm. ever. That, that, is it like a divining and, and breaking moment that 
you I never ever will do ever ever will put them in that situation to not be here to provide for them. So I go in and um, I check myself in the door slamming, but I never get the, the, the noise of that door slamming behind me when I check myself in. It's weird. It, it Randy, isn't that a weird feeling? Cause I think it almost feels like that you can feel your freedom coming off of you. When you, you hear those doors slam, you walk through that fence and it just feels different. Every step you take, there's something yeah. that happens that transforms you as you get to inside the bowels of that ugly building. Yeah. It, 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 you feel it, different. Yeah. You feel a lot yeah. different. Yeah. It, 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 it was a crazy feeling. And so the gentleman, as I go in, I had my, um, you know, I thought I can bring in the, the pictures that I want to put on, you know, in, inside of thing. And I actually had my cell phone. I just thought they'll just keep it in the, um, you know, in your belongings and give it back to me whenever I got out. Oh, you see on TV. <laughs> right, right, right. So he's like, what do you think? You going on vacation? And I was like, uh, no, nah, I just thought you could keep it. He's like, no, nah, you need to uh, get back on the phone. It's kind of crazy. It was. He told me you need to get on the phone and call them and tell them to come back and pick it up. So it was kind of like a, a double going through everything again because I actually had again. to call them. <laughs> I got to let back, let back out, go back out to the oh, car all over man. again. It was like, oh, man. So, yeah, it was a crazy thing. So I, I go through that whole emotion again and go back in. And then, yeah, they, they finally take me on in. But I still at that point never realized that I wasn't going to be in that building. Well, I yeah. thought – Let's talk about that, Randy, because I think that is also just a hazing period all in itself because everybody goes into the big house regardless of where they're going. But right. your, your immediate thought is, do they all have it together? They 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 know where I'm supposed to go because they put <laughs> right. me in this cell here, and it feels right. like this cell, I could be here for a while. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I could be here for three or four years if they just forget to open and close this door man yeah how long were you did. how long were you actually in the the bowels of the basement of that place which is uh, probably was i'm gonna say about three to four hours exactly before. those are long hours because you don't yeah. know and don't and they won't tell you you don't know if you're going to be there for an hour or an hour and a half or four days right. or four years yeah, I don't know nothing. And of course, they don't tell you anything. <laughs> they don't say a thing. They don't say a thing. All they do, which was once another thing, right away, you know, strip down, take your clothes off, and do all the other things yeah. that they have you to do. You got a prison as you. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, wow, here we go. <laughs> so, yeah. And then they put you in a room by yourself and you just sit there and yeah. you don't know what, what, what's next. You know, you, you don't, you prepare yourself for, okay, now I, I have to be, of course, you know, you got all the stories before you went of what you should do, what you should not be doing, and how to conduct yourself. So, you know, you got to, you got to put this, get yourself and set in that mind frame of, okay, this is what, what I'm, I'm here now. Here we go. I got to prepare myself to what it's going to be. So, just sat in that room and then, you know, finally they come and pick you up. And then I got in a van and, um, they took me, we drove down. I'm like, Oh, as you, as you drive down that street, you're like, okay, this, this looks better. This is better. <laughs> it's a rundown looking this, schoolhouse, but it looks a lot yeah, better. Yeah. This, this, this doesn't look like, uh, where I was just up there. Okay. <laughs> okay. They, they didn't lie to me. They didn't just tell me this, uh, it's a camp <laughs> right. and, uh, <laughs> they didn't lie to me. So, 
I, but I can, once again, I can remember walking through that front door of uh, the camp mm-hmm. just like yesterday. It was just, uh, and I got met by, um, mm, mm, mm. I can't believe I can't remember his name. Not um, the older guy that used to get on everybody, not the counselor. Oh, the old counselor, uh, Swanson? Not, not, not Mr. Goop, Swanson. Not yeah. Goop, Swanson. The, the, yep. the evil one, Swanson. Right, yeah. Swanson. There was so something I, wrong I with him. This, yeah, 100%. And I, I, I see him, meet him, and it was crazy because you like, you know, how you walk in there and you go either way. Mm-hmm. And I'm just standing there. He told me what to do, and I, you know, if you forgot, we were we were actually in the first dorm together. Me and you, we That's were in right. uh, A two, A one, A one, yeah, A one, A two, yeah, yeah. We were in there together, and they they walked me up there, and you know, showed me where my bunk was at, and I. I just laid down, you know, I, I, I laid down and I laid there for hours. I probably slept all the way through, through child. I mean, to child, of course, so they came and done the count. Cause I didn't realize what count was. So that was the first time I got the, Hey, get your bunkie up thing. Uh-huh. I'm like, what is this? What are they, what are they, what are they talking about? So then I, had, I stood up for that and I didn't even go to child. I just laid there and just found myself unconsciously reaching for my cell phone on my hip. Mm-hmm. For days, I've done that for days, thinking that I can just grab his phone and, and and call, and it just just was crazy. Just that was that was, was yeah. What were you like, Randy, when you got there and and you know you're laying there and realizing this is it? And for those talking about where Randy was at that point, you're just in this huge dorm. There's probably I think 50 bunk beds, and there's a there's ugly metal. Uh, lockers and you got a plastic chair that's your world yeah and, and then you've got this you know the bathroom that's in the middle there i think there was three showers three or four mm-hmm. toilets three or four urinals and about six or seven sinks or whatever that's that was it you know that's yeah. what that's what your world is shrunk down to what did you what, how did you think you were going to handle or be a part of what your strategy was to get through such a different environment. You know, I, at the time I, I, I just didn't know, but being, of course, you know, and that's why I, I actually preached this to my son and to little kids when I coach football is, uh, sports actually kind of prepared me for the situation. Yep. Uh, being adapting to the, to the, to the moment. Um, adapting to the environment of I, I, um, going to different camps of football, basketball. So you you in that dormitory setting mm-hmm. and having to, to you know just be aware of your surroundings is, is kind of how I approached it for me to to make it was um okay you've been here you've been to these camps before and where you guys had to stay in dorms with these bunk beds like this and and things like that and you know so that's that's the mindset. I, I, once I got there and I seen seen the setup. It's even the, uh, down to the bathroom, down to having the shower, same thing as, 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 as uh, going to camps and stuff. So that's that's how I di- approached it with that. But of course, I know I wasn't dealing with the um, the same type of people and uh, environment. But um, I, I I was just I just always was aware, and I'm, I'm kind of a a disciplined person as far as um, well, you had to be being in sports. To be any good in sports, you got to be disciplined. I I think that's an interesting uh, analogy, though, because I kind of felt the same way. Because I think sports 
gives you, um, you know, I played a lot of basketball growing up and, you know, going to the camps and, and having to get and adapt to the people around you and, you know, playing the sport itself, you know, you're as good as you are, you know, <laughs> people right. accept right. you if you're right. good, you can kind of get accepted in. And as far as people reaching out to you, did you have anybody that said, Hey, I'm going to help you, Randy, kind of get adapted to plugged in yeah. to this world? Yeah. When I, when I, when I came in, of course, uh, you know, the, normally it's, it's people that are, um, from your, your city. Mm-hmm. They find out where you're from. They come in and they and they uh, try to say, "Hey, you know, if you need anything." So it was um, guy from St. Louis, uh, Jones. I know his last Martez, yeah. Martez Jones, Martez Jones. Yeah, Martez good basketball Jones. player, by the way. He was he was yes. good in pickup ball. Yes, yeah, he, I remember Martez uh, Jones. He he took me uh, under the wing and it was like, "Hey." I got this. I got this in my locker. You need this. Just, just let me know. This will get you through. Uh, he kind of ran down the ropes to me how things worked as far as child, the, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, count. the, the standing up count and, um, things like told me about the, uh, the, the weight room, the weight pad outside and what we could do and what we shouldn't be doing out there. And that, 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 that was, that was my guy. That was, that was my, that was my guy. That was, uh, that's so we would talk for hours, you know, we it's such a big deal. Don't you think Randy that, that somebody, and it always seems like it happens. I was so thankful that I had a couple of guys reach out to me because you're just like, you know, a newborn baby in there, you know, you don't know where, right. where to go, what to right. do, how to do it. And you get somebody that, that, takes you and says, Hey, here's what we do. And you know, they'll give you the sheet that talks about what the, Leavenworth rules are what you need to know is what the inmate rules are, so you can right. survive in there. Right, so you can survive. Ab- absolutely, absolutely, and that that was the important thing of, of that. And he, yeah, he he just took me there, and he told me the rules, and we 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 just you know we meshed to to, to the day I left there. You know, just 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 always, and you know, I was always to myself type of person anyway, so. The, the type of, he, he just dealing with him and maybe one, and there was one other guy, I can't think of his name, he had been in there for a long, he's from Kansas City, um, I can't think of his name, but he, he, he came and talked to me, because he was, because uh, like I said, for the first week or so, I just slept, mm-hmm. I just slept, I just, just, I couldn't, that's all I can do, I guess, was lay in that bunk, and he's like, man, you gotta get out, you gotta get bunk. up, you gotta you get gotta, out, you gotta get up, you gotta, got to get up. You got to get a routine. That's what he told me. That's what he was. He's like, yeah. you have to get a routine to make it through this. You have to get into a routine of what you do or else you, you're going to be sitting on that bed depressed and you won't make it. And see, th- and- Randy, I think that is such a, a big tip for people in prison, obviously, because if you don't, you're mm-hmm. getting institutionalized and, and, and all you're doing is being depressed. And, and you see that a lot. You know, you either see guys right. making it or not making it. But I also think that says a lot just for, you know, I notice when you get out of prison, there's a lot of that going on where people like they are in prison. They've just, they've just not, they're just not moving. They're, they're not right. making a step. They're not in, right. getting into a routine. And whether you're in prison or, or out of prison, that routine, those habits of, of getting into something, feeling like you're eating some time in a good way is, right. it makes your time go faster too. It does. It's very important. And definitely, 
I, I instill that into this day, into my kids. Like you have to get into a routine of life. You have to, when you get out of school, you have to have a routine when you get home, whether it's you, you sit down, you get your snack, then you do your homework, but you have to have a routine or else you can't be unorganized and all over the place. I said, so it, that that's very, very important. Definitely. And I'm glad he took, I, I, I can't, it's crazy. I cannot, I, I know, I know I remember him, but I, I cannot remember his name. Leroy. 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 Yeah. Leroy. Yes. Leroy was the gentleman. Yes. And you know, he had been in for a long, yeah, like 20 some time. Yeah. yeah. He had been down a long time. And, uh, he, 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 the one who gave me that advice. And, and, um, I, I took it very, very well. You know, I, the crazy thing is a couple guys that I did talk to me that actually seemed to be very genuine, good guys, mm-hmm. you know, very, very good guys. And then, um, it's crazy because the other guy who came in while we were still up there was uh, Rio, Rio Smith. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, you know, we remain very close to this day. Actually, I actually just talked to him the other day, but, um, even though he, I was there and I told him all the things, but he had been down a long time and he, I'm, I, I'm trying to tell him the things that Martez and him gave me, but of course he already knew, but then he ended up being the one able to give me advice because he had been down 15 years, yeah. you know? And, and, but we, 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 we built a bond that, that, you know, that, that, that a lot of people build bonds in there, but you know, once you get out, you don't never talk to them and see them ever again. Right. But um, me, and, me and his was was a little 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 different actually, and 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 it's because he was just genuine people. You know, you you know everybody when you go in there, you can make yourself what you kind of have what fake people do on Facebook. <laughs> exactly, they can make themselves what they want to be if you don't. You know, <laughs> if you don't everybody's know, a millionaire and a professional right. athlete, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. yes. So it's just so crazy, and I I, I tell my fiance, I say, man. If you don't, you don't understand. You in, in prison, people can be with in, in the camp. I don't know about the real yeah. big house. Cause real say at the big house is a little different. They got to give you, show your paperwork or whatever mm-hmm. as they call it. But at the camp, oh, we we had every uh, a thousand millionaires, professional <laughs> athletes, and just anything. So it's just <laughs> amazing well, how how that story goes. It is, and but I I think one of the things you know you bringing this up, I think. People ask me, you know, like, what was the biggest surprise, you know, going into prison and, you know, whether you're talking about the facilities or whatever, I think the biggest surprise to me was, is that there were some really good guys that, mm-hmm. um, from day one that were there to, to help me get into whatever this new world was. And, you know, I think you kind of run with, you know, two to four guys to get you through. Cause that's just kind of right. how you do it. But, um, right. Yeah, I was surprised about that. You know, you, you, what you see on TV and how they pro, you know, these inmates and they're just horrible prison creatures, you know. You right. get in that world and you realize there's some people who, you know, bad fork in the road, made a bad mistake, but they're trying to get by. You know, they're trying to get back right. out and trying to make – and that's why right. I think the whole second, you know, chance of getting out, it's it's so narrow – of what people have as a misconception of these people who've served time, because a lot of these guys, they're not going to go back and do that. They don't want to go back no. and do that. They they yeah. just want a real chance to get out and, and go. And um, the reason why you end up with so many guys that are back is they don't get that chance. And so they fall back into the wrong thing again, which is exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. 
that it is definitely unfortunate. So you and, end up, uh, Randy, and and I mean, you go through. We we both went through the, the uh, RDAP program, which was a way, the only way in the federal system to get a year off. Yeah, uh, I think it was nine months. We all lived in the same place, and and you know it was you, you had you know the your rational thinking skills and all those different things, but you did yeah. you did get through it and. Yeah, I got through it. I, I definitely got through it. The, the crazy thing is, Brett, I, I had a, a, a nightmare inside my nightmare. Yeah. So uh, a lot of things, uh, only one person, maybe, of course, my family, as far as my fiance and, and Rio knows this story here. So while inside of Leavenworth, I had a, a pending case dealing with the same situation that was in Kentucky. Because okay. I got pulled over while I was in, in Kentucky in one of the vehicles. I had went to court for it and it wasn't never resolved. So when this came up here, uh, they, they sent me an 11 worth or whatever. So I couldn't get into the RDAP program because of the pending case in Kentucky. Yeah. They wouldn't let me in. So I talked with, um, what, what was the guy's name that ran the RDAP program? Dr. Uh, Wells. Wells. Dr. Wells. Yes. He, he was like, well, because, you know, they was needing people. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I'll let you in pending that situation. And, you know, you'll get to, of course, if you don't get it solved, then you can't get the time home. So I'm like, you know, I'm good with that because the sooner I start, the sooner my right. time can start. Because my understanding is the situation is getting taken care of. Mm-hmm. Turns out uh, my counselor, can't remember the lady's name. She got mad at me because I went and talked to Dr. Wells. It's probably Alexander. Miss Alexander, yes. Yeah, she's a, and a she woman. decided not to let me in. And with him from not to let me in, I was like, really? So we went through this whole thing. So I missed like two start things. We went through this whole thing. Now, mind you, at the same time, I'm trying to handle this case in Kentucky because when I talk to the guy, he's like, well, what we're going to do is we're going to leave this case here. And then when you're done there, we'll pick this, we'll, we'll handle it. So they basically wanted to run con- uh, consecutive. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, that's not going to work because Dr. Wells said, that's I gotta not going to get happen. this now. Right. Right. I got to get this situated now. So, but imagine being, of course, you know how, how it is in there. You, you only get 15 minutes on the phone for per, per phone call. You only get certain many amount of minutes, a uh, uh, time handling this. So, it was not happening. It just wasn't happening. I couldn't put this pressure. I was trying to put the, not, you know, not pressure, but my mom to make these calls, but they don't know who to call. They don't know right. what's going on, who, what attorney trying to reach in Kentucky yeah. and people can't physically get here. So it, it was just like, uh, I'm living like another nightmare night. I'm not going to get in this program. I'm not going to, this is like, it was just stress, stress every day. Can't sleep at night. It was just like, mm. how are we going to, so it, it led me again to making a decision that I shouldn't have made, but if I honestly, if I never made it, I never would have got into the program. I never would have got home when I got home. And that was to get a cell phone inside of Leavenworth. Yeah. It, it was crazy. So at night I used to literally, when I, I used to work on the, on the thing, I was um, sneak out at night and make phone calls to try to get that situation. And that's the only way it got handled. I finally found an attorney that could handle it. And he would call me messages during the day. I would call back at night, call him. And it, it, like, it took like a three weeks of us getting back and forth. And where he finally went before the, before the judge, he called my mom, told her, 
I finally got a judge that will um, let it run concurrent with whatever he's doing there and his time be fine. They led me into the program. But if I wouldn't have done that, though, it would have been it would have been crazy. I wouldn't have never the situation never would have happened. But it was like, you know, it was like my only resort, honestly. I, I remember Randy had when all that was going down because there was everybody was concerned about these cell phone things and we were in the D block. So yeah, I, yeah. but you, you, you know, you got to do, <laughs> if you hadn't of, uh, you would have spent a whole nother year, a whole extra year. Yeah. And it still, things still wouldn't be resolved until you got out. So yeah. And then I don't know. I probably would have got, tra- they would have picked me up yeah. the day I got out of there and transferred me to Kentucky. And that happens too, with those guys that had the child support and all those different things, those guys get out and they pick them up at the curb and then they start yeah. to take them to wherever. Yeah, no, that is, I mean, wow. Thank God you got that worked out. And, and you're right. You can run out of minutes real quick on, on the phone there. Cause you can't, you only talked for so long and then you only have so many minutes a month and that's, that's it. Right. I think it was 300 minutes yeah. in the month. So 10 minutes a day. Right. And I, I ran out trying to get it solved yeah. and then you can't, you can't call the person right back or something. Yeah. I, I forgot what the restriction was on it. Yeah. But yeah. It's it bad. was, it was crazy. Tough, <laughs> tough place to communicate. Yes. Yes. So you get, you go through the program. Tell me what you're thinking. Like, you you know, you're three months from getting out. What, what's, what's going through your mind as far as getting back out? Honestly, um, it was, it was, it's just, I'm the type of person that, um, it's not reality until it's happened. So I was thinking all the things that was going to happen. Um, I had the, the cell phone situation hanging over my head mm-hmm. and I was just like, it's just going to come back. Um, and you know, <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm kind of, as I consider a stand up guy and it was like, okay, do you tell these people? that that was yours or do you not I had Rio hey hey let them do their job and then I had other guys or hey tell them where we are going to get in trouble well and it was a weird environment that we were into Randy it's kind of hard to explain on this on this podcast but you're like a almost like an occult like uh, environment in RDAP you know right the morning meetings and the you know, standing up and shouting your number and all that. It's almost hard to, to, I don't even know how to analogize that world that we were in, but Correct. it had to have been a tremendous amount of pressure for you at that time of yes. how you were going to handle it. And I don't actually remember how it got resolved to tell you the truth. It, 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 what it did was, um, it's crazy. I, I, uh, it, it was weighing on me. They had, I talked to Moss, remember mm-hmm. Moss. Mm-hmm. He's like, Randy, do what you think. You got to make a decision for you and your family. Yeah. And he said, but at the same time, he said, I understand the other side of you because you, you don't want nobody else to uh, fall off, fall in for your something that you had going on. I yeah. said, yeah. yeah. So lo and behold, I went and talked to Dr. Wells. Did you really? I go, <laughs> go in his office, Brett. <laughs> I was just telling this is the inside the scoop. The I didn't day. know any of this. I go talk to I go talk to Doctor Wills. Say, Doctor Wills, what would you do if you were in my situation? He said, Randy, I'm gonna tell you this. He say, he said, I probably never have told nobody this before. He said, I'm gonna tell you, they're gonna send the phone away. Mm-hmm. He say, chance to come back, chance to don't come back. Mm-hmm. He said, um, 
Like, of course, they, they'll look at the numbers in there. He said, because the phone was locked and they'll see if they can find the numbers, match them up with the numbers that's on your thing. Mm-hmm. He say, that can happen while you're here. That can happen while you're in the halfway house. Mm-hmm. He said, happens in the halfway house, they're going to snatch you out the halfway house and you come all the way back. Where you go, they ship you off somewhere else. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, <sighs> But so he That's goes a lot and he to says, think about. Yeah, it's a lot. So he goes, but this is what this is what confirmed and what I should do though, Brady. He comes and he said, But if it was me, he said, You're a good guy, Randy. He said, I don't ever see you ever coming back here. Yeah. He said, if it was me, keep 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 doing what you're doing and let the chips fall where they may. I'm like, Okay, that tells me right there what I should what That's I need to really do. That's really interesting. Yeah, for him to say yeah. that to me in that situation, I was like, so I told Rio what he said. Rio was like, man, that's all you know what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. I go back to that dorm. I don't, I, I think about it every day because, you know, he didn't say, hey, it's not going to happen. He said, but he told me, Anything keep doing happen. what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, keep doing what you're doing. If it was me, I'll keep doing what, what you've been doing. And that's what I did. And even it was so, even while I was in the halfway house, I was still. I'm that, like I told you, I'm that type of person. It's not over until it's over. Sure. I'm not, you know, even yeah. though I'm, I'm home, I'm still not home in my mind. <laughs> what if they over. come knock yeah. on that door again, that cell phone, oh, we found yeah. that cell phone and have this number in it. So yeah. You had real PTSD because you had that hanging over your head. That's really something. Yeah. Yes. So you got out, who picked you up when you got out? Tell us about the day you got out. Oh, the day I got out, I, I remember, and then I, I, I vowed to stay in the RDAP, he, and that's what it was so crazy. And I, I feel like he he trusted me because even though I had that situation, he allowed me to stay in the RDAP thing yeah. until I went into the dorm. You it's know, a really big you deal. Back. Yeah, yeah. So I, I stayed in there, and that way I just had a peace of mind when they was getting up, going to class. I just sat there and watched here. So that particular day, I, I gave everything away out my bunk, out my locker. Yeah. And I, I packed and I, I went. It was it was crazy. Once you got, once I I never forget. Once I got to see my own clothes again, uh-huh. that that uh, see a scent for me to wear home. It's a and great feeling. It was like okay, wow. I so I, I go, I put that on, I walk down the hallway, go to there, get my stuff, and I'm just standing there waiting. And I, I wasn't uh, catching. The, of course, I wasn't catching the, uh, the the bus like you, you tell them that you're going to do. I had her meet me at the train station with the kids in the car. Mm-hmm. And um, I got in the car, and it was just like unbelievable. I just remember her saying, "See, I remember her calling and telling her her mom, I got him. I finally got him. Mm-hmm. We're on our way home, and it was just uh, she she handed me my cell phone and." I just, I'll never forget that ride. My kids were just all over me the whole ride home. And it, it was just, we just rode home. And it, 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 to me, it wasn't enough time in the world. Like I, for, for that ride home and, and stopping getting, just getting, being able to get your own food and, and, and everything, which you, you were my snicker guy though. I, I remember, you know, I was very disciplined in there. I, I never ate any candy, any bread, <laughs> but every, when I want that one thing, I would come to you and get a snicker though. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But so it, it was, just, that was just amazing to get home and get to the, it, the halfway house didn't even matter at, at that point to me. I was just, it didn't matter because I was thinking about the, the thing with the cell phone, but yeah. just that environment wasn't, even though it was in the worst place that it can be in St. Louis, but it, it didn't, it didn't bother me. How much me time did you have there at the halfway house at the Dismas house? 
Um, I was there if Not too I long. wasn't there long. I wasn't there long, Brett. They let me. The guy was like, you know, because the day I got, because I got to my job, held my job for me <laughs> that I had. So I had a job the day I got there. That's great. Cause that's uh, the way to get out of there. Cause if you are, yeah. they'll lock you down. A lot of people don't even think about the halfway house is in some ways more locked down than, than Leavenworth. You know, that you can't get well, past that front glassed no, in area unless you no. got a pass. No, it, it sure is. And yeah, ain't sell, no cell phone, same thing. None <laughs> right. of it. So, you know, you, you, you're out, but you're not out. You're out in the worst situation. Right. In a bad so, neighborhood. Bad neighborhood, and and, and and it's just crazy. So I, I wasn't there maybe two, if if two months before they allowed me to go on house arrest. I mean, yeah. I mean house home confinement. Right. So I did that, and I just I just did that, and I was just working. I was work. It's crazy. I was working so much because my job was it was like I said was waiting for me, and they they I was working so much that they didn't want me to um to to, to work. Because it was so much, like my hours, I, I literally had to stay out from 9 a.m., I mean from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. And they was just like, that's just too much. That's just too much. You're making me free. They were freeing you. And they didn't like it. And so my boss told him, my boss was like, hey, I can, um, I can, I can let him work like he's working because we need him. Mm-hmm. Or I can let him go until he's done with the situation. Mm-hmm. My my uh, probation officer was, wasn't, so she called down like, we're not having that. Like, you know, he, yeah. that, if he can account for his time and his paycheck show, this is what he's doing. And that's good. This is what we need. This is what we need to do. This is we're, we're this is, she's like, you're, you you make more money than 90% of my case. I'm not going to put you in a failing position of, yeah. of that situation. That's a good officer. So it, was though. Good, it was good. To have, yeah. It was so great to have her mm-hmm. stick up for me for that situation. And the guy, the owner is so crazy, Brett, after, after I got off everything, we had to do, we uh, done the parking lot for, for the Desmond house. No kidding. <laughs> he came outside and he was like, um, wow. He said, it's good to see you. Uh, he said, <laughs> he said, but, um, he said, I knew I would never see you ever again. Anyway, he said, I could just tell how you, you carried yourself and with the things that you did. Uh, he said, I knew I would never see you again. He said, I said, yeah, you ain't never yeah, worried about me, man. I, I had big bug bites from in that place. That was it was awful. cold. The place is terrible. Man. It's bad, it was dirty, everything. <laughs> yes. I mean it was it so, was worse yeah. than than uh I mean it had air conditioning, but but it was worse than Leavenworth as far as this Work. facility. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Hands hands down. Yeah. And it it, it kinda of, it broke your routine of me building that routine yeah. of working out and, yeah. and it it was I didn't know what to do. It was kinda of like, Oh, you gotta get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, and you did the right thing, man. Getting out of there—that's the only way to get out of there—is have a job, get a pass, and don't come back until it's time that you can't be out any longer. Yes. So, Randy, tell me, man, what's going on now? Bring us now corner up front. Yeah, just just now, just enjoying enjoying my 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 kids. You know, like like I said, just living life fully for them and. I've, uh, my youngest, me and my, me and my youngest, cause you know, she was born while I was inside. Yeah. So I actually had to listen, I had to listen to that on a phone call at Leavenworth of that happening. Wow. And so building relationship with her and, uh, you know, and, and that, that, that's been, you know, it's difficult because my other two, we had that bond and that me being there. So she always feels slighted because she's feel like I'm closer with them than I am with her. So that 
that's that's also a, a, a situation that 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 you know because of that Leavenworth situation that it was hard at first, but now we're finally and it's been seven years. Yeah. Uh, I've been out seven seven years September, but um, she's starting I guess to feel the bond that I have with the other two and um of of, of with her and not feeling slighted of of my love and, and stuff like that. So that that was definitely a transition and and hard on on both sides, you know. Yeah. Uh, so just that and, and, and working I've been same job been now 10 years this m- last month I've uh, been on that job 10 years last month and um, just just bought a, a new home about a year ago uh, now and just I'm so proud of you Randy on just how you were able to keep it together too because you know so many guys whether it's a fault or not a fault of their own have a really hard time uh, keeping the family unit together. And, and you but, did that and, and made it a, you know, obviously a priority and a focus to, to make that work. And, you know, I think um, we were on, I think last week it was Daryl Wood senior and his family was talking about, or he was talking about how he made it work. And, you know, he, he was making phone calls, you know, from prison to the teachers and he was staying plugged in. It's an effort that, that, Obviously, you have to be able to, to know you're going to have to make this. But if you do, I think your kids admire you even more because they know that that effort has to be made a different way. But but you make right, it happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. My kids ask me all the time. So, Dad, what was, you know, I always, I'll never say I went to prison. I always say I went to camp. I had to yeah, go to camp. Right. <laughs> I had to go to camp. <laughs> so, they, you know, so now they're the older two, they're the 12 and the 10 year old. Like, so, Dad you know, why did you have to go away to camp? Like, well, how, what, what was that about? So I, I, I try to, I tell them, I was like, you know, my daddy made a decision that he shouldn't have made. And, you know, that's what uh, took me away. And I, I had to go and they were like, yeah, dad, we don't ever want you to go away again. You know, I'm like, yeah, I don't ever want to go away. No, they again. probably don't want to ever go to camp. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> Any right, camp. Right, right. And that's what they say. So it is, it, it, it's awesome though. It is, like I couldn't, I couldn't ask for any more as far as still being able to be a father to them, and with, even with my family having all my brothers and yeah. and sister here just this past weekend. Because, like you said, to to come from you know it wasn't a dire situation. I'll never over exaggerate the situation of Leavenworth, but it definitely was something that could have broke you to the point to where you just that did didn't get back on your feet, or you just stayed in a, in a root and, and allowed to say that society doesn't, didn't allow you to come back home and make it or, yeah. you know, take, take opportunities that are, or that are in front of you. Yeah. So Randy, I think, you know, what do you think out of everything that you've been through for, for everybody that's listening out there, what do you think your biggest takeaway is from all that you've gone through? Cause I think you come out different. You've, like you just said, you've, you're definitely different than when you went in, but what do you think right. the biggest takeaway is for you through going through all this? Um, uh, the biggest takeaway for me is, and I actually just told my fiance this the other day is we was talking about it because she's like, you know, you finally shared. You know, I never really talked about specific stories inside mm-hmm. of that work. Yeah, I just might be general about it, and I say, you know, what I take away from it is, um, I learned that nothing nothing comes uh, before family and uh, that a man should be pr- there to provide for his family and that um, 
money, getting money the correct way is more and having to being able to lay your head down at night and not worry about that, that knock on that door is more important than anything. I don't care if you can't pay a bill or something, it's better to get up and go to work and uh, know that, that that check that might come at whatever day it comes is going to come and then instead of somebody um, knocking on that door and making the, the bad decision. I mean, it's, it's nothing It's nothing like that, that peace of mind and knowing that you are physically there to take care and help your family and your kids instead of, uh, you know, having to do it by the phone or, or whatever because yeah. well, nothing replaces. Your pre- your presence. Nothing can replace your presence yep. of, of of being there. So I just I just I te- but I also tell her I never will take away the 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 fact of going through that because I feel like it changed me to know to to make me the father that I am and and to to respect you know what what needs to happen and 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 and, and in the household and everything. It, I I will never. If, if if I didn't go through that, I probably still would be the, the person that I was prior to that making the wrong decisions. Yeah. Well, so I, I never would take that away ever. I, 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 that experience was was needed, and I would I would go through it again if it would help me be the person that I can be that I am now. Yeah, I like it. I mean, and and Randy, I think you know my my feeling the whole time I was around you, Levin, I felt like you were one of the good guys, and you've gone and and you've done, and I you know I follow you on Facebook, you got family and you got things going on and your life looks good and um you deserve it man it's good i like it i appreciate it. i appreciate it i like and it. I, I definitely always thought the same about you and i used to see your your family and i, I feel like i'm the type I'm, I'm definitely i feel like good i'm the type of person i just sit back and i observe and uh you know i look at things i don't i don't talk much but i, I just observe and i take it in and i could definitely tell you're a good guy your family your, your kids your your wife they loved you and I, I definitely, you know, I, I admire that. And yeah, definitely, you know, you could look at some of the people know that uh, they don't belong here. Yeah, just something <laughs> happened and <laughs> something happened and they, they made a bad decision and, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being on folks. Um, if you're looking for a book out there, I've got one. I wrote one. It's called nightmare success. Um, Loving the likes, and uh, if anybody wants to go to my website, uh, check it out. Got a lot of things on there. Uh, if you want to stop and leave a review on Apple uh, or Spotify, I'd love that. And like I used to stay, say in prison when I was sending out my emails, stay strong, and I'll do the same. Randy, thanks for being on. Appreciate it. No problem, Brett. Thank you. <laughs> Nightmare success in and out, folks. <laughs>